and welcome to One Throw at a Time, a player's perspective on the game that builds and breaks our hearts. My name is Johnny Mox, and I'm here as always with my co-host, co-conspirator, and co-friend, Rowan McDonald. Rowan, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Johnny. As I alluded to just a few minutes ago, I come back from a harrowing tale of Youth Ultimate. Mind if I dive in? Do tell. Okay, this is a great story, stretching all the way back to last November, where, unbeknownst to me, there was an email thread that uh, somebody helping out the breeze connected with a school in Montgomery County, where I do a lot of Youth Ultimate, and set up a class or a clinic for today, so to speak. Now, I knew nothing of this until last week, where our general manager, Sean Banks, reached out and asked if I knew anything about this. And I said, no, I know nothing. But apparently we have this urgent Ultimate Frisbee Clinic at uh, elementary school. So as it turns out, I said, okay, I can do it. Just send me the details. This is Friday. And on Friday, I get a text back from Sean Banks with a handwritten notes. I guess he talked to the school. They were having a hard time getting a hold of uh, the original email emailer who remains anonymous to this day. <laughs> but the note said, 2 to 3 p.m., 350 kids. <laughs> Where would we be without email threads from a year ago? I said, I saw that note and I said, Sean, Shut this down. <laughs> this is a bloodbath. I am not going into 350, four, five, and six-year-olds. Can't do that. I can work with maybe 10 to 15 at most. 350, forget about it. However, after some consideration, I said, you know what? Why not? Let's just see what happens. This will be a great story, and we'll tell it on the podcast. What the heck, Rowan? And what did happen? So I just got back, and I survived. Basically, as I was biking there, 45-minute bike away, I just had 10 styrofoam frisbees in my backpack, and I was just going to wing it. I was like, you know what? It's going to be very stressful. Might as well just embrace it and go with the flow. However, something did come to mind that related to this podcast specifically and Ultimate Frisbee is I knew I could not control what happened there. So I went in with three areas of focus. I was... I'm going to work on things I can control. I'm going to get there and I'm going to talk to all the teachers and the staff and be really polite and uh, nice. And that's something I control. Then I was, I'm going to work on bringing my energy because at that age, that's all you can do. And whatever happens, happens. And I was going to focus on my breath so I didn't get too stressed or anxious. And by f- focusing on those fundamentals, it all went okay at the end of the day. Um, we survived and the highlight was definitely asking all the kids how far they think I could throw. Oh, you think I can throw 20 yards to that tree? And then just throwing like an 85-yard pull out over the fence. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like you still put on a really good program for them. And, you know, maybe in the end the email thread from a year ago was good. But it certainly sounds like it was unorganized. But unorganized can be good. Yeah, yeah. But more than unorganized, just like, mm, like, you just you don't want to show up to a an entire school outdoor assembly and explain 
the the ins and outs of of frisbee. So <laughs> it was brutal, but I took it and I survived, and now I'm here enjoying this um, this podcast. Yeah, I mean, you sound like you were the pinnacle of organized. I'm more saying it maybe was a little irksome that it was brought up so late in uh, in in the process. And oh, you said yeah. that was Friday, and that was before the game then. Yeah, that was before the game. So that's why I went in blind. I was like, I do not have an ounce yeah. of mental energy for this, you know, experience. But yeah. Friday, I was able to keep the, the mental focus on on that game. Yeah, I mean, it was a big weekend of travel for us, Rowan. So it's astounding that you were able to take on the 350 elementary schoolers today. Backing up a little bit here, we had our second away game of the season with the Breeze traveled out to Toronto and played them on Saturday night, ended up getting the win. Rowan, how'd you feel during the game? I feel felt great and I'm, you know, excited to, to tackle that. But uh, you know, for our listeners out there who are curious what it's like to travel for an AUDL game, John, do you wanna you know wanna give them the insight? This was much further away than our first game and required maybe an airplane. Uh, yeah, talk about a little bit about the, the travel day before I share my thoughts on returning to offense. Yeah, so I'll give two legs of the travel day. The first leg is a historical one, and it takes us back to uh, the year 2019 and beyond. Or mm-hmm. did y'all fly in 2019? Oh, no, no? no. Okay, so 2019 and earlier... Uh, we would still play the Canadian teams. In fact, more than there are in the league now. Uh, we would play uh, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. Ottawa now, of course, has been defunct, RIP Outlaws. But we would play all three, um, usually two times a year. So we would play them in Canada once, um, and they would come down to D.C. once. And so this usually meant at least two bus trips up to Canada. Usually we would play Montreal and Ottawa in one weekend, um, and we'd be driving between the cities. Toronto, we would usually just go up and back, but that would usually entail getting on uh, a, a charter bus, usually around 2, 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were when the coaches got the timing right, they, uh, they wanted to make sure we were there plenty early. So we'd get on the bus in the middle of the night, have a nice uh, sleeping bag bus time, all the way up to uh, our destination. Sometimes we'd get there at like 3 p.m., so we'd have hours before game time. Sometimes we would get there 10 minutes before first poll. There you go. That's why we started to do that. Yeah, so uh, there was a, there's a history there. Uh, so sometimes, yeah, so the, the early days we would get there 10 minutes before the first poll, uh, not have very good games because of it. Um, that said, moving forward, we would get there maybe 3 p.m. People would play a bunch of basketball where they had kind of loaded us off into, and that also would lead to bad games. Yes. So all sorts of things leading to bad games, uh, tired legs, tired bodies, tired people um, from those kinds of experiences. I don't know about you. I'm not very good at sleeping on buses. What about you? I wasn't bad. I started to go with the like bring a yoga mat-ish inflatable mattress and just sleep in the aisle that worked for me a little bit that's what you had to do um and so you became a pro at that too in addition to old i probably got a good hour or two out of (laughs) ten um so snag that sleep on the bus then but then in 2021 they started flying us to things uh which was great decided that uh not having the players be super tired from travel helped win games and that was definitely the case this time even though we could barely scrounge together 20 for the roster weird we, uh, a lot of overlap a lot of a lot of uh uh school graduations a lot of um Weddings and high school states. All so at once. Perfect all at storm. once. That really, that really did it for us. But we got our 20. 
we hopped on the plane at DCA. Uh, this was after a little bit of a, a delay. A, so there a was, five hour delay. So some players were there. Uh, on so there time. was three buckets of players. There you go ahead. Okay, there was three buckets of players. We right before everybody was about to leave for the airport for our 10 a.m. flight. We get a text at 8 a.m. from our general manager Sean Banks, who we've already brought up once. Big episode for him. And Shout he out texts. Sean. He texts the group. Oh, by the way, like you've probably seen it, but the flight's delayed five hours. However, just in case they undelay it, everybody should still come to the airport. Now, that brought three buckets of players. All the players that showed up at 8 a.m. just in case. As instructed. Waited seven hours and then hopped on the flight. Bucket two was the legends. Johnny, I'm going to put you in the legend category with David Cranston and Jeff Wodach, who knew it wasn't getting undelayed, but didn't push it all the way to the end and showed up maybe halfway in between and waited two to three hours. And then we have the hustle players, the cold jerks of the world, Jeremy Knopf, there you go. who just waited all the way to the last minute on the redelay. The flight did not get undelayed, and everybody was just waiting for a long time. Yeah, it sounded like you all spent a bunch of time in the airport. Definitely more relaxing than a bus, and it wasn't in the middle of the night that you had to get there, uh, but still not ideal. But y'all were hustling, spending time together. Uh, I saw that you were editing some videos, so you're making use of your time. But we hopped on the plane uh, once we had all three buckets of players there. <laughs> got our 20, which was vital. Cole made it through security. Yeah. After we had some players running for the plane, hopped on. It was a really short flight, uh, like 52 minutes, I believe. So really not too bad. Um, got into Toronto. The original plan was to go to the hotel, take a little nippy nap, which would have been super nice. But since the plane was delayed, uh, we just had to pack in that Tim Hortons. Uh, uh, some people there were eating one donuts before the game because yeah, uh, it was just in the airport. So got that airport food. Some people got a little bit of coffee, headed to the field um, and began our warm up. And from there, it was a wonderful game. After that, uh, we had our, our rookie, Miles Grovich, 10-day contract, get bookends at the, the beginning of it. That really catapulted us to uh, a successful game. The D-line played great. A uh, few turnovers, but they got a lot of turns, too, so it didn't matter. O-line also had a really clean game with Rowan mm-hmm. making his triumphant return. Hopefully not for the last oh, time this it might, season. It might be. I don't, I don't know if I did enough to... To kick box off, kick him off to the D line. <laughs> that was my goal going in. It's like, oh, but I don't think I did enough. Uh, you know, I was happy. It was really fun to come back. That line is just super fun to play with. But yeah, I I enjoyed it. Uh, it was did look a little bit jealous, jealously, jealously over at the D line. They seemed to be getting a lot of turns, so they were playing offense too. But. It was good at the end of the day, just happy to be able to, to bounce back and also reunite with, with my co-host. That was one of my the perks going over there. So how did it feel, you know, any uh, any of the old chemistry back for you? We had that couple, couple nice connections deep. Yeah, yeah, I threw you a couple balls deep. We were dribbling. It felt great. Um, picking up right where we left off. So you're welcome over anytime, Rowan. Thank you. And uh, Toronto is great. Uh, they have that uh, space needle looking thing right by the stadium. Yeah. It was really pretty at night. Um, the fans were really nice. We did some high fives for, uh, for them after the game. And I saw that you met up with a special group of fans that, uh, 
they always seem to really like you over there in Toronto, bro. Yeah, no, Toronto is a great city. And I, I think it, as I've been playing more and more, I'm starting to connect with fans in, in different cities, not just D.C. So that's great. I think really happy about how, you know, the, the game is spreading where it's like, oh, my God, like there's people that, that know you when you go to away games. Never would have thought that five years ago. That's awesome. Sports growing. Your brand is growing. And that's really what we care about here on the podcast. Brand. So, Rowan, we also have to give a big shout out to Burrito Bandito. Uh, walked about 15 minutes from the field while the bus was uh, stuck in a little bit of traffic. And they had not only small, not only medium, not only large burritos, but they had the huge, huge. size, mm-hmm. which was a big, uh, just a really a stroke of, I think, ingenious invention and one that uh, we should replicate here in the United States. So we walked there uh, with some teammates, got our burritos, headed back to the bus and met up with the rest of the team who was at a bar doing some drinking after the game. I mean, (laughs) come on. Unbelievable. Drink when you win the championship, folks. Uh, So we headed back to the hotel, had a nice evening. Uh, I hung out uh, in... Jeff Cranston, A-Roy, Steven Room, um, and Musa was also there. It was real fun. Uh, what did you end up doing? Well, I was like, I saw, you know, Alex on fall, crack open a beer on the bus, and we have this this friendly rivalry. So once I saw him go into just kind of relax, enjoy the night mode, I snuck into the, the gym, the hotel gym, and did a full lift just to just so I could be able to, to tease him, honestly. That was my entire motivation. So I worked out after the game. Plus, I had a little ibuprofen and coffee in me, which is very rare. I did it before the game. So I used those to my advantage. Got a great lift in. Fall was just relaxing. So I, you know, caught up a little bit with him. And then I joined the game room and had some fun with, with my friends. That's right. Yeah, you did pop in for for a round or two, and that was fun to watch. Um Rowan, if anything, Ultimate is about one-upping your teammates. Don't let anyone tell you it's about fun or spirit or anything. It's about having competition with the people you're on a team with and just trying to one-up them into eternity. And that's really what drives us here at uh, One Now, Unfortunately, Alexon absolutely skied me, probably... Well, actually, Christian got me the week before. It's been a tough stretch for me. <laughs> but Alexan was like over me at last uh, the truck tryout. So, you know, ball's in his court. Where's the ball in my court? Um, wherever the ball is, I'm, I'm still working to, to catch up with him. <laughs> wherever the ball is, we're trying to find it. And if you enjoy our hunt for it, uh, make sure to support us directly on Patreon. Um, we've got a lot of good tiers on there. Um, and we really appreciate your support. Yeah, John, I know we've brought up the Patreon a few times, but um, you know, what do those tiers entail, and what will our listeners get if they come aboard? Well, Rowan, first of all, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash onethrowpod. That is O-N-E-T-H-R-O-W-P-O-D. And on that veritable wonderland of a hub, you can subscribe, uh, become a, an official member of the One Throw community, and get the following perks. So we've got the push pass tier. That is $1 per podcast. For this tier, you'll get a shout-out on the episode. 
we release right after we see your membership come up on our dashboard. Then we've got the Scuba tier, which is $250 per podcast. For this tier, you will get a shout-out on the episode we release right after we see your membership on our dashboard, just like the one from before, and a handwritten note from both Rowan and I uh, just saying thank you and uh, if you ever wanted a Rowan McDonald autograph, this is the way to get it. Yeah, in autograph, my autograph included. Autograph mm-hmm. included. Next, we've got High Release Flick, which is $5 per podcast. For this tier, you'll get a shout-out at the end of each episode of the show. A virtual meetup with Rowan and Johnny scheduled a month after your initial membership. Uh, and that's pretty dang good. All the listener questions you can pack into 30 minutes. There you go. That's that's what we promised for, for the high-release flick tier. And then for the one-throw day one tier, which is $10 a podcast, quite the hefty investment in your boys. Um, you'll get a shout-out at the end of each episode of the show, the virtual meetup, uh, that we mentioned before, and the most special perk possible on our Patreon. We made sure to hand select it for you, and that is you get to decide a joint celebration between Rowan and myself during a streamed game um, that you'll be able to watch live. Uh, and uh, that's scheduled out a few months after your membership, so you can't just sign up one for one episode and get us, us to look do foolish this. Make us look foolish and then ditch us. Uh, but Rowan only celebrates maybe like once or twice a year, so you would be uh, get you'd be making I, your <laughs> mark on Ultimate History. Yeah, I mean it's it's truly a testament to how much we value this uh, this year. <laughs> that would that be dancing or handshaking, Johnny? <laughs> Easy game. Johnny will do whatever, but I'll uh, do be whatever nice you to tell us. me. Be nice yeah, to just us. yell at me. Um, and the, the one other thing I wanted to mention is most other creators on Patreon do a month-by-month month kind of monthly subscriber thing. Uh, Rowan and I decided to go per podcast because we wanted to make sure that we were delivering content um, and making sure that your support was contingent upon us delivering that content. So it's flexible um, and... Yeah, you, you get what you pay for in that sense. So thank you so much for supporting us. If you want to support us in a way that is perhaps less monetary, we totally understand. Um, give us a follow on Instagram at onethrowpod, O-N-E-T-H-R-W-P-O-D. Send in your listener questions to onethrowpod at gmail.com. Give us a rating on one of the podcast apps. The one that you're listening to this on probably would be preferable. We really appreciate it. All right, Ro, let's hop into some shenanigans. So for this week, we are going back to a beloved segment, Seven on the Line. And this week's Seven on the Line is going to be the most underrated and unsung ultimate players in pop culture, fiction, video games, cartoons, movies, etc. So these are folks from those mediums that would be good ultimate players, however, would be underrated and unsung. They'd be the sixth person off the bench if we're using a basketball analogy. Um, maybe we would win sixth person of the year. So who would like to go first? Do you want to hit it, or do you want to switch off, or what would be yeah, best? Yeah, let's, um, let's go back and forth. Let's go, let's go back and forth. I'll start. How about okay. that? So I'm going to say the name of the, the character, and then I'm going to give a little, a small uh, uh, sort of motivation for why I picked them. All right. So my first one is Luigi. 
Um, everyone thinks of Mario, you know, but Luigi's got a better length and would have a devastating mark mm-hmm. and is still the, the beloved plumber that we all need in our lives. Yeah, that's a, that's a good start here. I'm going with a slightly different re- different realm. I'm going with Angelina Johnson, I believe a two-time Quidditch champion who was described as tall, which is always a little bit helpful, and also just a tremendous athlete. She, I, I believe she was a six-year starter. Wow. For Gryffindor? Gryffindor? Amazing. Yeah, I think it's six, maybe five, but Do you know the one. position she was? Yeah, she was a chaser oh, with wow. uh, Alicia and Katie. So they were a dominant force, and I think Angelina led the charge. Amazing. Love to hear it. Uh, second person on my team is Bambi. Um, might not be able to catch all that well, but has a battle-tested heart, that Bambi. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to really come through in big moments. It's all about heart. It's, it is all about heart. I also kind of went in that direction. Um, I'm going with Professor X, Professor Xavier from the X-Men, because he's got the mental game that's necessary, speaking of heart. Perfect. all about heart and mind. I love that. Um, The third one on my team is the Time Wizard. Uh, It's a Yu-Gi-Oh card that could change the tide of any game by using time magic. Uh, the, The Time Wizard could make all their teammates age right to their prime, and all their opponents become very frail. Uh, just with the spin of the a spin of the clock. Uh, that said, if the oh, clock goes bad, then all of the teammates would go frail, and all of the other team would become strong. So it'd be a risk, but that's that's what we got. High variance ultimate. High variance ultimate. Underdog strategy for real. Okay. Um, next up for me, uh, I'm going with the Roadrunner from Wiley e. Coyote and the Looney Tunes. Top speed, speed kills, separation is everything. This is just a speed cutter, chunker mentality. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Um, The next person on my team would be the green Powerpuff Girl. Uh, Can fly and good at defeating villains, uh, which is, again, don't let anyone tell you differently. Ultimate is all about defeating villains. And one-upping teammates. One-upping teammates, defeating villains. That's the two. Okay, my center handlers uh, is a video game. My only video game selection, don't play many, but Samus from Super Smash. I just remember um, charge up and launch those flicks, those flick huck. If you get a full power flick, go across the screen. So um, Samus is getting all my centers. Yeah, that's amazing. And it would be Samus in the mech suit, right? Not zero suit Samus. Perfect. Okay, Um, to maybe match up against samus on my team we have inspector gadget um amazing gadgets humble secretive um everything you want in a teammate that's great uh yeah very long too you got a lot of length on your team that's a little bit you know it's okay uh centering up to samus is is robin from batman you know robin is just so good at being number two just a reset handler yeah nothing more but owns his role that's and sometimes that's all you need to complete yeah, absolutely a um and then Ro, i actually got my last two so we'll end with you my last two are shark boy and lava girl hmm. um from a from a, a classic movie that must have been on the disney channel in maybe 2005 i'm not exactly sure it's sometime circa that area uh and the reason we go to shark boy and lava girl are they got great chemistry yeah and an amazing fashion sense that every ultimate team needs for morale off fashion. the field. Rowan, what I was thinking of when I made this pick, it reminds me of walking around the streets of San Diego for nationals, 
the night before a big game, maybe. Maybe it's the night everyone just flew in and, and, and pool plays the next day. Who are you looking at? Who are you going to look to to inspire confidence? Shark Boy and Lava Girl, of course. They're going to give it. They got it. That leaves me with two left. Um, first off is Hector Zeroni from Holes. He was just the absolute, uh, the best digger on the whole uh, book or movie, whichever one. Just five five foot holes. He was done twice as fast as anybody else, and that just shows the grinder mentality. He's got, he's got strength too. Strength just you know gets the job done. Power. Uh, I just saw that movie again recently, so he came to mind. And wrapping it up is Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. Off often overlooked for the brain, who is very smart. Pinky brings that goofiness. Uh, and balances out, you know, the, you know, other players on the team and just brings a little bit of joy. Not to mention a lot of Pinky's strategies actually worked out. Yeah, I mean, that's what you really have to remember. Speaking of joy, Rowan, how did I do with preserving my joy during the Toronto game? Did you notice anything? I thought I did a fine job. You did great. I just think it was a very, like upgrade balance all game there was no really like highs or lows it was just we're just passing it out there the mountains and the valleys were the same really were there was never there was never a single moment where i was like i don't know like stressed or or nervous so did a great job Love the glasses, too. Thank you those so much. Look. Was it the first time wearing those? First time wearing them. I'm going to wear them for beach, so I might, you know, like, try them out here and there. Also, the way I was thinking about it was, in terms of making sure that I'm joyful, uh, wanted to view it as, like, a shield, you know? Oh, yeah. Because it shields my brain from all the negativity, and, and, and in that way, I could just focus in on uh, making sure that I could be myself and... and, and Make sure that I'm going through my process of spreading that joy, just like Pinky. And it worked. Your so, teammates responded. Everybody played well, too, around you. So Sweet. Well, love to hear it. Thanks so much for that shenanigans. It was a fun one. Now we're going to move on to some listener questions. Let's go ahead and check the email here. We've got a question from Adam Snowden. Adam says that they're moving back to the DMV, uh, and they're thinking about trying out for the Breeze in 2024. Uh, wants the experience and to match up against elite ultimate players, uh, which we would definitely recommend Ron and I for getting better. Adam asks if there are any tips or tricks to prepare for the Breeze tryouts specifically. Uh, Adam also asked about some pickup games in the area. I'll just do a quick plug for Virginia Highlands mm-hmm. Pickup, yep. one of the best pickup groups I've ever seen. Very they organized. are very committed, very organized, and are playing most every night, especially in the off season. So check that out, Adam. Rowan, any tips for Breeze tryouts 2024? Oh, already looking ahead. Let's go. Let me. I one head start you can get. A lot of people in the off season, you know, hit the gym hard or rest hard. If this is a major goal, hit the track hard and come ready to run. There's some rust. There's some people that aren't quite um, have their fitness levels sky high. So if you come in ready to go, you're going to look instantly better. So that's my one secret tip of outside of that. Just a bunch of stuff that we've already talked about on the pod of you know just getting the skills ready, practicing, and mentally just bringing confidence and and areas of of ultimate that you want to showcase that that you can uh, succeed in. Yeah, I think that's great advice and is is pretty square to what I was going to say. Um, I was just going to say, like, uh, specifically with an AUDL tryout, 
I would say the majority of folks who get cold early are those who just like don't are not able to keep up when the big field scrimmaging yeah. comes into play. Oh, of course. And so like getting far along in an ADL trout is very correlated in my mind to fitness. Um, yeah. So just make sure you're ready to run. Or if you're just looking to have fun with it, like love running. Cause that's what there is a lot of in the ADL. And, and come say hi to the leadership, Johnny, I coaches. Um, yeah. We'd love to, to meet you. Yeah, of course. Next question here is from Nico. Uh, Tangwall and Nico says, um, with both of us being O-liners for most of our careers, in parentheses, bad timing, Rowan, for this question, unfortunately. That's why there's two of us. But hey, we O-line this past weekend, so it fits. Are there any defenders that are very difficult to play against? If so, what qualities make them extraordinary? I'll start this one off just by uh, saying one of the toughest defenders I've ever played against is Jasper Tom, our very own teammate, who I have the honor of matching up with. Uh, most practices... Uh, weekly. Um, and I would say that a quality that makes him extraordinary is uh, his laser focus. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've yeah. played against a lot of people who are more fit than me. I've played against a lot of people who are quicker than me. And um, n- none of them have given me as much trouble as Jasper because he, when he's playing, is all up in your business on all, purpose. All the time. And all the time. Yeah, it's like never... Never a, a, a dull moment uh, being guarded by him. So I would say the thing that sets Jasper apart is his laser focus and his uh, ability to maintain it throughout an entire practice, throughout an entire tournament weekend, um, and uh, take pride in that and staying so close and up in the grill of all the folks he guards. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the answer, plain and simple. You know, just going back to my O-line days, I probably got two types of matchups, kind of that, the, the famous ultimate player, like uh, the best defender on a team, but sometimes they start to get a little bit lazy and maybe overhelp, poach off, or sometimes if they are playing me like a little scared with a buffer. I always found those matchups to be a little bit easier, but when I got this like young, scrappy kid, kind of like a player that Jasper is and Johnny's describing, and they're just always trying, that's when <laughs> it gets hard. So yeah, I think... Effort is the number one answer in this uh, question. Any names you want to shout out specifically, or you're not giving you're not giving respect like that? I, I'll, give, I'll give like I, the first one I remember. Uh, you know, I think two are Chance Cochran and Johnny Walden. They're both I'm like taller than both of them, probably uh, yeah, maybe faster, but they just always like we're gonna work as hard as possible, and then you're just like I ain't got time for this. <laughs> Alexander Fall is there now. I know he's my arch rival, and I shouldn't be shouting him out. There but you go. you're getting, you're putting the ball back. When he guards me, I'll there. just sit in the stack. <laughs> Thank you so much for the question. Next question here is from Austin Carey. Austin says, as he understands it, we were leaders in establishing small ball in DC. This year, he sees that we're more willing to huck. What has changed our mind about taking those risks this year? Why are we taking these risks, Johnny? I don't know, but my throwing percentage is not where I want it to be. I'm going back to small ball. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, uh, well, maybe the risks are leading to some more turnovers, Austin. We appreciate you noticing that. Um, Austin's uh, helping our season. This, yeah, is, this is a turning point. This is, this is really what we needed. I mean, did you? Oh, yeah. I, I had a zero turnover game in Toronto. My first one of the season. That's oh, rare. That's nice. Usually I have one before this. So, Austin, we hear you, man. 
I would say, I'm just going to leave this on a cliffhanger and say, uh, the boys in D.C. want you to know that you're never going to know what they're going to do next. So uh, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, One question from the Instagram here. We are a little bit behind on our Instagram questions and don't quite see all of them because it's harder to keep track. So if you want a question that is going to be answered for sure, make sure to email us at onethrowpod at gmail.com. But one from the Instagram that has been pushed back a couple weeks is from Ash, um, one of our wonderful listeners, Ash, who says that they're moving to a remote town in California where not a lot of ultimate is going on. Uh, what can they do to stay sharp in a place that might not have that many opportunities to play with others? Rowan, any thoughts? I know that you kind of came up just by yourself doing it uh, doing it solo. So anything that uh, you wanted to share here? Yeah, I just use my creativity to figure out kind of parts of the game whether that's downfield defense or throwing and just kind of making little training based practices off those setting up a fake stack and guarding the ISO cut, doing some footwork stuff and yeah, just solo training worked for me. Um, And yeah, you can develop skills there and if you can try to put them into practice as much as possible, but I wouldn't let a lack of ultimate around you slow you up. People get better in the off season. People get better when they're just focusing on skill development. The games will come, whether you move back to a city or, or join another club team, but don't let that slow you down. Johnny? Yeah, I mean, very similar advice, um, but just using anecdotally, if you go back and listen to our episode where Rowan interviews Jamie Erickson, great episode, um, she says that she actually prefers to do most of her throwing sessions solo. And so you have uh, really elite players even in these cities with so many ultimate players. Um, you know, she was saying that coming from Seattle where yeah. it's like every there's Everybody. ultimate everywhere. She still prefers to throw solo. So, um, you know, find a routine that works for you, Ash. And an- another thing that I would say kind of uh, s- separate from that is it sounds like you'll be in a pretty unique area And one of the things that I've found that can be fun for me when I'm trying to find motivation um, or a creative way to get back into training for ultimate is use the environment around you to come up with those fun routines. Rowan, something that comes to mind here is that it snowed one time in DC and you made like a vlog about Mm -hmm. you and you just went out to a field and practiced some dummy cuts or um, like did a seven cut or 10 cut um, just for some conditioning um, and just visualization. And I think that Rome was doing that on a field that was covered in snow. Um, I know a lot of folks who get a lot out of ocean swimming. If you're near an ocean, that can be good for you. Um, And just like keeping up those general healthy practices with uh, visualization for ultimate in mind and having fun with it at the same time, I think will, will take you a long way. So thank you so much for the question there, Ash. Let's hop right over to flying high in the one throw sky. Our shout outs this week. Of course, go to our D3 national champions. We know how much hard work goes into a a college season. So congratulations, Middlebury Pranksters in the women's division and Colorado College Wasabi in the men's division on your well-earned championships. Love it. And speaking of D3 nationals, our supporter on Patreon, Zach Smith, launched his book, Spirit Foul, surrounding that D3 championship. You can find it and get yourself a copy at therealzsmith.com slash spirit-foul. 
um, go ahead and head there for the ultimate book of your dreams. Additionally, we have Patreon shoutouts that go to Sambeth Vong, Gabriel Webster, our friend, wonderful person. You're too good to us, Gabe. He could be a perpetual flying high in the one third sky. Shout out. For real. And Florian Kuhn. So Sambeth, Gabe, and Florian, thank you so much for supporting us and being members of our community. We really appreciate it. And each and everything you do is touched by 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 the one by the one throw. Also, we've got two anonymouses to thank as well. We've got one anonymous to thank in the high release flick tier, and we've got one anonymous to Uh-oh. thank in the one throw day one tier. Thank you so much, anonymouses. We appreciate y'all too. Hopefully they're nice and have a nice easy celebration for us. Maybe a high five. Yeah, maybe we could tell us. Spike that. it on Jeff Babbitt. Oh, good. Or maybe it'll be an anonymous celebration so we just run away. That's great. Who knows? Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll catch you next week. Bye.